Hi, I'm Roy Collin, and I'm the creator of the podcast. You can find everything about me and the five podcasts on bio.link forward slash podcaster, and you'll find it in the QR code there. I'd also like to thank my sponsors. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety and want to know how to be 100% anxiety free in six weeks without therapy or drugs, Daniel Packard Anxiety Solution Program Company offers a six weeks system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you have high blood pressure or want to get off the meds? Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. Get a $50 discount with my code ROY. Go to zona.com slash discount slash ROY and you'll see the QR code for all my sponsors down at the end. Quality Polish manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metals. If you'd like a brochure, you see it in the QR code and you just let us know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally and very competitive rates. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. Today, I have a very special guest. We had her on the live show, Freedom Broadcasters. It was episode number 107. And Phoebe doesn't know this, but it's actually the most popular because my awakening was removed from YouTube, but I have my own personal channel. And it's number one. Your video that I put up on that is the most viewed and most commented because people are actually just loads of love for you, everything you're doing. And it just shows how much interest is in this. So what can I say about my guest? Like I've had over a hundred court cases. And if I was to have somebody in the courtroom with me or with, behind my back, it wouldn't be one of the top solicitors in the world. It would be BB. And BB, <laughs> Thank you. Basically, you didn't even have speeding ticket or anything during your life. And you were wrongly convicted. And I think yeah. in a few years back, 10, 20 years back, people would kind of think not much of it. But what's going on in the world at the moment, they're realizing the amount of fraud and corruption. Yeah. So I'm honored to have you on the show, BB. So please welcome BB Bacchus. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Hmm? Very good. So like I, I mentioned that you were wrongly convicted, but I'd like, because some of the listeners yeah. obviously would know, but there'll be a, no, a load of new. So I'd prefer if you could actually just tell them the story. Okay. Well, let's start. I, I sold real estate for 18 years at the time. And I was one of the most successful realtor in St. Petersburg, Florida. I used to sell an average of 25 houses a month. But my uh, uh, popularity came because I, I not only sell the people with lots of money, I, I sold houses to the poor that can get in with very little money and get a nice house, nice neighborhood for their children. So my my view of selling a house was not only to gain popularity or money, but is to help the poor people. And I think what was my downfall, that I was so busy helping people, I didn't realize that there's evil people out there. Uh, the, <clears throat> the, in St. Petersburg, the government, the local government had um, um, money given to them for the poor people to give deposit for their homes if they didn't have the money, the deposit, federal funds. They never give it. And when I found out that they had it, I went after it for the people. And um, I had a hard time trying to get it. And the minute I started getting that money for the poor, I, I came into this uh, system where they say that I laundered money and I, I, um, I sold uh, properties to drug dealers. All this stuff was set up. But little did I know why. They set it up because they didn't want me to let the people know what's available to them. And we had a hard time doing that because when I did the first one, 
uh, the mayor came to the closing of the house and uh, he said, oh, there's federal funds and all this thing, what people didn't know before. So they came after me after that, I think. I didn't realize. Then they set me up. I, I didn't have uh, the drug de drug enforcement. Nobody like that came into my case. Not the FBI, not the CIA, nobody. Not even the local police. Just the one IRS agent. And he came to interview me because I sold the house to a young man. And they said he was a drug dealer. And I, they need me to go to court and say that uh, he told me he was a drug dealer. And I sold him the house and that kind of stuff. And I refused to do that. I says, no, I have all my paperwork. I says, no one would walk in here and says in my office, look, I'm a drug dealer. And I'd like you to sell me a house. But the funny thing is, Roy, is that the gentleman only had $5,000 of his own money that he brought from the bank. It was such huge, huge setup on me. And he he uh, he brought the money at closing. His The bank uh, verified all his income, everything, complete. But I was still charged with laundering his money. Up to today, they don't know what money I have laundered or where I have laundered. And what they did is to make it look uh, that I am real big time because I sold so many houses, big time drug dealer and laundering money. They charged me with like about 14 other drug dealers I have never seen. No, don't know them. They came into court and told the court that they don't know who I am. They've never seen me. So what happened, the first time I got indicted, I was found not guilty of money laundering or drugs, not guilty. Then two years later, they did a, the IRS agent did a superseding indictment, which is they went back to the grand jury, the new sets of grand jury, and told them that I sold uh, houses to drug dealers. They had no proof. He made two lines in his in his interview with the um, these people, uh, what you call them, the prosecutors, the grand jury, <laughs> the grand jury, and the grand jury found me guilty. Are they not allowed to double kind of do? Yeah, they do that. What they will do if they come in after you? I found all this out after. When they're coming after you and they don't get you the first time, they they cook up their own stories. They transfer the the prosecutor who was prosecuting me the first time I was found not guilty. They transfer him to Pe to Pennsylvania, and they brought a new prosecutor from there. And they had I was the last person the grand jury heard of, and there was only two lines, and I have it in writing. the The prosecutor who they sent to indict me, he asked the, the the IRS agent, well, what did you, who did she sell the house to? How much did she sell the house for? He said, oh, well, I didn't bring my notes. Those were his words. I didn't bring my notes, but I think it's 130,000, he thinks. Then he's, the prosecutor said to him, um, well, just tell the grand jury what she did. <laughs> And in two lines, he says, I sold the house to a drug dealer and I laundered his money. And they signed my indictment. And they gave me 97 months prison. <laughs> it was and, amazing. <laughs> and you've had children as well, like during this time. So the, like the trauma for your husband and your oh, family. Yes, and the children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then um, my my attorney guaranteed my freedom, and he signed an indict and and uh, he notarized his uh, his guarantee with my broker, my real estate broker. Says he says he guaranteed that I will be free, that I didn't do anything, and he charged me seventy five thousand dollars. 
Then when I was found guilty, he called his friend in. I was so stupid and innocent of all this. I realized that I want the public to know now, today, the IRS have no right to come to court. They are foreign agents operating in America and all over the world. They cannot come and testify against anything or anybody. They cannot show up. They are not federal agents. Let the people know. They are field agents. They go out in the field and they flash their badges and they scare the hell out of people. So is the HMRC. They are field agents as well. So in my, in my uh, next class, the advanced class, I will have information on them, the IRS. The IRS is nobody. So what they did for him to go in, in and testify with a grand jury, he only stayed maybe about 10 minutes. And nobody knew. It was all done undercover. And the judge sat there and let them do it. So it was awful. 97 months. When I got there, I, I did nothing but cry <laughs> for, for the past six, oh, for the first six months. I want to know what am I doing there? So I was there for thinking, I need to find out. I need to find out how they brought me here. So I had my kids, my son, and my daughter and my husband and my son helped me and my daughter to do the research. I called my son up one day. My son was in, in the Navy. And I called my son up and I asked him, could he please check and see on the computer on the government fraud and conspiracy? And that's how I started. He sent me stuff on the UCC that I have never heard of, never seen. When I got the first 13 pages that he sent me and I read it, I thought to myself, well, how, what does this got to do with us, with me, with these prisoners? Then as I keep reading and reading and asking him for more and more information, that's how I found out about the UCC, what they're doing to us. Before I left the prison, oh, another thing is they made me self-surrender for that sentence. I had to take myself to the prison <laughs> for 97 months. Then uh, the, I, the, the, the prison in Tallahassee has asked the FBI to come in and have a word with me. So a lady and two guys came and she asked, she was very nice. She asked me um, about my case and I told her. And then she asked me, um, she found out that I have never been in trouble with the law or anything. And then she, she told the guy, the, the detective there in the prison that they need to let me go. She did. She says this lady shouldn't be here. So, because they didn't have any evidence to show, none whatsoever. Then she went and visited my home. She and the, the two detectives with her. And, and then her remarks were sent to the FBI saying that um, I, she have never met in her career a nice family like ours. Unbelievable. Like last year, I I had a, a like a criminal case against me for a tenement house that people weren't paying me, and so I'm going into the court. I had representation, which I shouldn't have really. I should have represented myself, but because it was a criminal case, they were trying to give me three years. And the sad thing is, I was looking, first of all, when I was going through the process, dealing with detectives, how slimy they are, the dirty tricks that they play, pretending you're yes. your friend. And I mean, I caught them out like they were they were even like I had got a divorce. They rang my ex-wife's mother saying they were looking for me. They went down to her house 
looking for me. And that traumatized her. So the next time I went back, like I had said to him, you need to apologize to her. So he said, yes. And I had a solicitor with me. And he actually, he he said, I don't know about it. And I lost it. Like I've gone from where I you think you have to respect these people to realize that they're vermin. I was in with the prosecutors. They kept changing the prosecutor, which is weird. Yeah. There was prosecutors asleep. And there's me being tried that I could actually be in jail for two years. And I, I actually wanted to go over and punch him in the head because I was like, this is my life on the line and I'm dealing with idiots. And just yeah. thankfully that the judge are like, I was clear. But, but the worst thing is then they appealed. And my solicitor said, well, she knew the girl. She said, why are you appealing? We always appeal. So even when they know 100% they can lose, they still appeal. And the worst thing is it goes yeah. to a different judge. Yeah. And like the first day I went in, the judge she said, look, they forgot to get the translator. The judge says, look, I shouldn't be talking to you, but look, this is the situation. And I thought, this judge is really nice. This is going to be good. And before I went in for the next case, the solicitor says to me, this judge is making a name for herself. She's putting everyone in jail. And I just, like, I went into panic mode because I was like 100% COVID. But just thankfully, she made a decision when I was in there and it was done and dusted. But, like, this is going on around the world. And there's people, like, yes. you actually... Like, I can imagine, like, it's unfathomable, like, what you have gone through, like, being actually yeah. inside, because we're ruled by scumbags. I mean, that's that's yeah. all you can call these people. They're, yeah. like, they know what they're doing. The judges know what they're doing. The prosecutors, oh, yeah. the whole lot. And even, like, there's kickbacks even to your solicitor. That, yes. That most people don't even know. They're, they're charging you, but yet they're getting a percentage of this as well. The yes. whole thing is rotten to the core. Yeah, but the thing is, in the prison, once you're in there, for every count that they give you on your on your prison sentence, it's four hundred million dollars going in their pocket. It's I I had written it, and it's going to be on the next advanced class. Who owns the prison? All over the world is only one bunch of people that owns the prison. Every country in the world, prison is owned by America and England. I tell people, America is England. America is England because America has got all British attorneys and judges operating there. They have title of nobility. The Americans need to read their constitution. No title of nobility shall be granted by any king, prince, or foreign state. But they got the title of nobility of Esquire, which is an English gentleman collecting money for the queen. Every single attorney in America is an Esquire, judges and attorneys. And the judges are being, uh, the, the president appoint all the judges, federal judges, why? Why not the people vote for the judges like we normally do? Why don't we have 12 uh, jurors of our peers? Juror of your peers is people in your community that knows you. It's not take somebody from England and put them into America and make them a, 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 a judge or whoever you want to put, wherever you want to put. It's not fair on the people. And the people are asleep, like I was. I remember, I don't know if you read it in some of my papers, I signed the judge's name, federal judge. I signed his name and made him a debtor. Right? Because I studied, and with the help of my children and my husband, I got the information I need. And when did he... he uh, decided that he's going to deport me because I didn't have citizen for America. I sent him what I have learned. A nine-page security agreement. I wrote it and I sent it and my children typed it up and registered mail it to him. He has to sign for it. I put him down as the debtor and me as the creditor. Under the, under the UCC, it was perfect. Nobody, I think, ever done it. 
So when I sent it to him and he signed for it, he is in contract with me, whether he threw it in the garbage or not. Right? So he knew. He knew what that was, definitely. So when I arrive in front of him, we, it was televised when I arrived, he asked me my name. I said, if you don't have my name, I should not be here. You sent for me. I didn't send for you. But I didn't do that when I first went to the to the courthouse. You understand? There's so much difference. So then he said, um, what's your date of birth? So I didn't answer. The officer next to me standing, she says, uh, you, you should answer. I says, why? I says, no. He has my date of birth. Why should I answer him? So then I, I, I learned all about their flags and everything that they do in America and England. So then I said to him, I want to ask you a question. He says, go ahead. But he's not looking at me. I says, you are committing fraud. The prosecutor jumped up, this young girl. She says, what would you say with that word? I says, you mean fraud? He's committing fraud, trying me in a military prison courtroom. He has a military flag sitting next to him. And I'm being tried under the military. Could you ask him if I'm telling the truth? If, if he can answer you, you need to wipe my slate clean. He's trying me. He's got a military flag and the flag of Connecticut. So ask him which, one, which flag I'm under. Every single courtroom in your country has got military flags and they're trying the people under the military. I says, it's such a stinking scam. He didn't answer. She told me I mustn't use the word fraud. I says, okay, if I can prove he's committing fraud, you wipe my slate clean. Like I never existed in this system. And if you can prove that I am not telling the truth, you can give me another sentence. I'm willing to take it. Let's go for it. She never said another word. And you know what he put on my deportation paper? I failed to acknowledge my name. How could you deport somebody if you fail to acknowledge your name and you have them in your book? Isn't that something? So I put it all in my book. Let the people see what they're doing to people. Then that was over. A few, uh, two months later, I was about to leave. And they wanted to do my DNA. And I refused to give it. Uh, the medical department, the head, she says, we will take it by force. I says, okay. So I got the kids to do exactly what they did to the judge. Send her. But she, I sign her name as the debtor and I am the creditor. And I give a nine-page security agreement like I did with the judge. And everything she owns will be mine, even her pension. And that's under the UCC. That's their law that we don't know about. So when, when she saw, when she received it, registered mail, she went to the warden and says, I forged her name. So the warden called a judge from outside of the prison to come and try me. So when he came, he, he saw the nine-page security agreement. He threw it on the desk and he says, what's this? I says, do you understand English? She says, don't be arrogant. I says, no, that's not being arrogant. I want to know if you understand English so I can explain if you don't. I says, but the first paragraph says, if you don't understand these documents, you can consult an attorney. That was the first part of my security agreement. Then... He says he will come back the following Monday, and if I committed fraud and sign her name, that he's going to give me 10 years sentence. I said, so I'll see you next, next Monday. When he came the following Monday, you know, Roy, what he said to, to the warden, they locked, they locked down the, the room and all the officers in there like I just murdered somebody. They think I was going to get another sentence. So he said, can he speak to me privately? And the warden put us in the room next door, and she says, okay. So I said to him, did I commit 
fraud? Did I sign her name? I need to know. I don't want to be hanging around here. Am I going to prison or am I going home? He says, I'm sorry about all this, but I did not understand one word you have in this document. Those were his words to me. I says, so that's why you brought me back another. He said, no. He says, I had to take it to the Supreme Court, a friend of mine, to tell me what this is. He says, I have never seen it in my 20-something years as a, as a judge. Where did you learn this? Who teach? I says, the force, you might call it God, and my children and my husband helped me. And he was very nice. He gave me a letter stating that I have not committed no crime and that good luck wherever. And he says, the judge says to tell me that I'm on the right path to carry on. And those two people, I had signed their name. So it does work, this work, but it's not easy because you, the classes I teach, you have to understand, and I do it very, very good in detail to people so they can write notes down. I have, um, I have Alex. Alex is now um, helping people get their, their diplomat papers and all kinds of stuff. These, these students are developing stuff. I have something I will send to you after this podcast, and I want you... I want you to look at it and you will be shocked. You will be shocked to see what they're doing and how much money they owe us. I have a, a friend, one of my students sent me a copy. I asked him to decipher this for me that a student had sent me that lives in Argentina. And he deciphered it and it has... It says Committee of 300. You heard of them? Committee of 300. You never heard of Committee of 300? As the people who are controlling. Right. Well, what I send you will have every single bank in the world. How much they have? How much gold they have? How much money they have? and their address and their, their, their bank number. And I'm gonna share it with all my students in my next class, so they can share it. Every single bank, even Guyana. And they call themselves Committee of 300 because they're the ones who, the Illuminati and that kind of thing. All the names are in there, everything, the queen signature, everything. So you see, there is a God. With, because like obviously the trauma that you've went through, there's a lot of people now, especially with, because it's another land grab again. I know that the interest rates went through the roof. Um, utility bills people are deciding will they eat or they won't which in turn that's how they play their dirty tricks they get the bailiffs to come in and people don't know their rights they don't know that there's actually a judges they pretend it's even signed and everything so for those that are actually called to go into court what's the best way that we can start protecting people because uh, just even from the comments and everything everybody like they expect you to do everything, which is the worst thing here. They need them, to understand yes. it. So the most That's important true. thing here is you need to really delve into this and understand it. And the the, the actual value is a lot more than what you think because people want instant gratification. They, they expect this. Yeah. This is like a university yeah. degree. You have to really understand okay. it. But yes. people are in panic mode. And unfortunately, those that kind of need it most their banks are emptied. I mean, I've had situations, how they do that? They just empty the bank. They just take the money. Yeah. Like my father died in um in in May of this year and I was traveling. And the, the, uh, the day I was traveling, the next day, they whipped out my account. They just, and I, I, I get them an abusive. I still haven't got it back, but that has happened so many times. They just take control. So I know that's going on internationally. So when somebody is called to go into court, what's the, 
best way that they actually can be representing themselves in, in the situation. Okay. If, if you get a letter from the court to go into the court, you need to write to the court, put it in writing, not email and not phone calls, in writing to the judge and ask him what you're going to ask him his jurisdiction. What jurisdiction he's calling you into the court under. Because what they do is they think, oh, well, you don't know nothing. So you're coming in under the common law. You're not. You're going in <laughs> under their jurisdiction, which is the Uniform Commercial Code. You're, not, you're going under contract law. Contract, contract. If you don't ask them, then you go in there and you're found guilty. You don't have to take an attorney. They work with them anyway. So, right? They're together. So I know that this works because I had two girls in California who had a farm that was taking sick animals. And they had a problem with one lady that brought a sick donkey in. She wants it back and she wants their farm because she see they were doing good business with the farm and someone told them hurt them about me and they took my class but in in between my class they wanted to know how they can defend themselves so I told them to write to the judge and ask him what jurisdiction he's under the judge refused to answer so I said you write three letters and the last letter you you put you send they're in default for not answering you you take your three letters and your default letter and go to the Supreme Court and tell complain against the judge. You need to know the jurisdiction. They cannot deny you that. They can't just drag you into court, ask for the jurisdiction. They did these should all be registered letters as well, yes. To them, yes. The UCC, it has to be registered, signed for. Because they can turn and say, well, I never receive it. So now what the, the post office, oh, and I have another thing that goes, the post office and, and the registered mail and the certified mail, they're changing. They're trying to change the stuff up because they know that people are catching on to these things. Registered mail is it. I have to sign for it. I went to, to court with with some of the students in England, lots of times, I went with this with the bailiffs. They are a ripoff. People need to know. They are a ripoff. The bailiffs, you have um, the debt collection agencies. They are they're all in bed together. If you send them the right information, you have to answer. If they don't answer, they can't, what they, they're going to take it to court. Contract law, people. You're under contract. Everything you do. I went to court to the bailiff. This young 17-year-old, the clamper car, yeah. took it away. And I was here in Guyana. And then she said she had a court case. Her mother asked me if I could go with her. I said, I'm not coming back until a few months. And she said, well, we can ask her for support. I went in London itself. This place was huge. I didn't know where I was at one, one time. Anyway, we went, the bailiff came, we charged with 5,000 pounds. And then the local court was giving you 5,000 pounds. Now they raised it to 10, I heard. Anyway, she, we went. I had all the paperwork I had sent to the judge, what the bailiff didn't do before he clamped her car. So the judge, we went in, the judge asked the bailiff if he has read the stuff that I had sent him. And the, the bailiff says, he was on vacation. That's their excuse between the judge and them, you see. He was on vacation. So I says, no judge. I says, I'm her Mackenzie friend. You, have, you heard about the Mackenzie friend? I said, she, he, he never, um, he never uh, was on vacation. This case was since December. This is June. Are you trying to tell me he was on vacation from December to June? He's lying, I told the judge. And the judge looked at me like this and he's smiling. So the judge says to him, okay, let's do this. You three go next door. 
and decide what you're going to do. And when you decide, come back. If you don't, come back. We went next. So you know what he said to me? No, to the young 17-year-old. He says, oh, um, I'm going to give you enough money that you pay to get your car out, 1700 I says, no. Speak to me, not her. I says, no. 5000 or nothing. And an, an apology. He says he's going to talk to his boss. Went outside, came back a little while. 4000 So I stood up and I said to Latifa, let's go. Let's go see the judge. He says, okay, 5000 on one condition. Listen to the condition. On one condition. I says, I don't do conditions. I says, anyway, what condition you have to give us? You've got a cheek saying what condition. He said, I shouldn't tell anybody that I won. I shouldn't put it out there then, My, the case with her. I says, I tell you what, you send her 5,000, I don't care what you do, but this is going public. That's, that's what I told him. You see what they do to you? The bailiffs are a ripoff. People need to get them away from their door. And the police works with them. But the case is not for the police or the bailiff. I had, I lost everything in um, in two twelve or two fourteen or something like that, and all the 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 Polish uh, properties because basically I was like the president of a company, so I was personally liable for all this stuff. I saw basically bailiffs cooperating with a valuer, so a property that say one million dollars. They valued it at half a million and then they put a screenshot. So they make it look like it's advertised, but they don't they put it up for a split second, take a screenshot and take it down. Nobody turns up. They buy a property at 25% of its value. There was another one. I was advised. Thankfully, I got great advice from a guy. He said, don't go into the room because they'll actually ask if somebody's there and then I'll be personally liable. They bribed everybody in the room and bought the property. They had their own cronies buying it. So yeah. like this is bailiffs that are this is going on constantly and nobody knows about it and then they're coming after people for the remains so they're selling stuff at a quarter and people are in debt for the rest of their life and then they extract it so if somebody starts working trying to get back in their feet i mean they got knocked life happened Nothing. Nothing. they take it from their account constantly. they don't care if you've got kids that are starving they don't care if you can't put a roof over your head they allow a, a minimum tiny amount it's terrible and that's international I know, I know. And England is terrible. Well, the thing is, when you read what they had done to start all this, the Committee of 300, is really to, everything was bankrupt then. All of us were bankrupt. Roosevelt bankrupt us. Everybody bankrupt us. So now they can walk in and take your property. We don't, the, 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 the banks, the banks was given permission by Roosevelt prosecute the people, the banks, when he did the new deal. I had enough time to read all their stuff. He gave bankruptcy. Everybody was bankrupt. Even the rich was walking down in soup kitchen. So I tell them, what I do, I, I do, I give the students the, um, your copyright, your name. I gave them three and a half pages of copyright, and that's showing whoever you send it to that what you're going to take from them if they use your property, which is your name in block letters and high case, low case. If they do, there's a formula I give the students at the classes. You can write to them and says you have um, five days until midnight to stop using it. You can address me as secured party. That's what the copyright says. Secured party. You don't have to use my name. So if you're in this village and everybody's secured party, who do you know owes you? Nobody. They're all secured party. So I gave them the formula to send to the people. So like if I write to someone and they said not to use their name, address them as secured party. That's what the UCC1 says. And if I don't, they can take all my property 
without taking me to court, without going to court. It's called a non-judicial foreclosure. You file a UCC one on them and you have all their property. You get a, a, what you call those auctioneers to come out. You hire someone to find out where their properties are, all their, their money, everything. And you file a UCC one on them and you claim the properties. You don't have to take them. It's called a non-judicial foreclosure. You don't have to take them to court. And that's why the judge didn't want to use my name because his nine-page security agreement had everything he owned. Everything. I didn't leave anything out. Mine, well, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. I got help from my kids. Everything that someone can own, even his pension. If, if that wasn't correct, he would have used my name. Absolutely. <laughs> With the, like the UCC then, because like you've got all the different, uh, I've got Boulevard's Law, Black Laws and everything. With, is there different versions of the universal commercial code that we should use? Or what's the, the one thing that people should get to be studying? Actually, there's so many UCC books that came out, right? I got mine in 2002. And my sister um, worked for West Group in Toronto. And that's where they print the books. It's all the books for England, all the dictionaries, everything is printed at the West School. So she got me a UCC book that I got, and it explains how, my book explains how to, um, to decipher these things like contracts, contract law. So like if you go in to buy a car, the car is yours because they use your straw man for the money. So the car company is supposed to just give you some papers to fill in and sign and you drive out with your car. I learned everything from that UCC book. And she sent that specially through and I gave some to some of the prisoners too. I asked her to send extras. They never take your book away. But if you go to the law library and you look, if you look through stuff that I do and you look at some of the books. They have books there that will make your head spin. They don't want you to find out certain things in these books. So you need to go in there, spend some time, read them. If you do the class, some people do the class, they just go ahead and they carry on from what they learn from the class. Because you can advance from that as well. But if you go to the, the library, they will tell you. It's, it's things that uh, you've never heard of. You don't know what to do with it. It took me that seven years to master it. It's all trickery. <laughs> it is. It is. It is trickery. Trickery big time. Right? Because like now you could get, I could send you um, power of attorney, in fact, for your straw man. You don't need to get power of attorney from an attorney out there. Because your attorney have your name in block letters. He can't do anything else with you. So I give the student rescinding of your signatures. You are signing signatures, which means that you're signing to give the bank information to get money from your SysDQ account, which is your millions and millions that you have. Signature is no, by order of, if you notice how I sign when I send you, right. Okay, signature is you sign in for the straw man. That's what the bank made for us. So I have students that develop for me, copy at the bottom of your check where you sign in for the bank. It says between the pages, by order of. So you've already signed for your money to be taken by the bank. 
they know what they were doing. So I sign. I sign. I show them. I give them copy. The student, their papers. I order. Oh, the bank, they, they steal from you. And we don't have money, Roy. It's just paper. We have no money. We have gold. But when I send you that committee of 300, you will see there is about every single bank in the world is on there. It has their bank account number. So if they take money from you, you can go after them. Their bank account number is on there. How much they own. This country, then, we have 850,000 people only. And we are bigger than Britain in square miles. And we have millions in gold. Millions. Gold is money, not the paper. So when I send it to you and you look at it, and it has Marcus, Ferdinand Marcus from the Philippines. Remember they used to have him as a guinea pig? Marcus was big time in this. I have loads of stuff on him. I have the Queen signing. I have copies of the Queen UCC filing. She filed and she gave William Canada in her filing. And I'm going to send you a copy, right? When, when people are writing, then when you're getting a letter, whether it's from a bailiff, from a court, from anybody, is it that we need to know what language they're using? Because with the black laws, because I like there's a lot of people doing different things. And I've seen I think I know that I'm 12 or 13 now, but I, I, I managed to get a, a printed copy of the first one. And I've got the electronics of the all the others because that's even been kind of washed down, I believe. Do we need to be looking at that as well to kind of understand? No. No. Mm -mm. The Black's Law Dictionary is British copyright. So, so I, can <laughs> that throw that one. I can throw that, that one in the bin. <laughs> that tells you something. British copyright. Everything that comes that says blacks this, blacks that, everything that comes out books comes from West, the West Group in Toronto, Canada. And it's all what they still putting in there. We have to move away. We have to, like, I would do template letter for my students and I will later on down the line I can do so you can see how to write your letters for them. It's different. And don't take emails, don't take phone calls, don't take, and, and there is, um, what you call it, letters. When you get letters in the mail, right? It's all fake, everything. Oh, and the stamp. You know the little black stamp, what you call it? They don't put stamp from the poster. They put Ranking um, is yeah, it's a little black stamp. What they make, right? So what these corporations do, they get together, and they decided we're gonna launder some money, their money. They're laundering money, right? They use this is a black stamp, and they send you out the letter. But I have paperwork that states you send that to the postmaster general, and accuse them of mail fraud. And Postmaster General have to send it to the Vatican or the post office. So that's how they launder their money. All these huge corporations, every one of them, unless it has a stamp for the queen or whoever country you're in. So I have that that I give them. So they can use that. Because if you're getting letters from the water company, the light company, all these companies, you don't have to get because it belongs to us. So what they do is they get the money because they want you, you paid already, but they want you to pay a second time. 
I have it. I have it there. So I gave it to the students when they're in class. You don't have to. You, if you can't put a stamp on it, then it's illegal. There's nothing in, in this world now that is lawful. Everything is legal. That's see in Ireland the the biggest bank Bank of Ireland when you get a letter from them same thing it's not a proper stamp and everything but they have a PO box as their address I mean yeah and because the they're not silly. yes that's right I have a very good friend from Ireland Walt and his wife Maria they came here to Guyana he came and did the class here with me I've known them now for years and um the the people that collect your property tax there, they're a ripoff in Ireland, big time. They would not give you no information on it. They don't give you nothing. They want your money or your house. That is so wrong, isn't it? No, absolutely. <laughs> like, because some people might be, you know, if this is new to them, just to kind of let people know what's kind of gone on with me because I've had, as I mentioned, over 100 court cases. So detectives were coming on to me again later and I used what I've learned from you and they backed off. I thought they're going to knock on the door in three days. I had bailiffs coming after me, roll back. They never came near me again. And there was also um, the court. They had done another case and I actually wrote, this is fraud. I, did, I wasn't even aware of this and I've heard no more. So like people think, and it's the same with even kind of the mandates and everything where they're trying to push their agenda. I don't want to touch on what it is because I, I want this to go out onto the different channels. But basically, they just try to push and people are complaining because they think what they say is correct when the reality is we've never agreed to anything. So they can't force it on us. No, that's right. Because contract law, if it's not a contract, there's no law for you. You're under contract law. When I come to England, most times when I come back to England, once every six months I will go, I do a seminar in London at a Euston Square, the friend's house. I go there and do it. And uh, people are really, really surprised at what I have to say. Because they never see. I never did. I never did. So... I think where I was concerned, the time I spent away from my family is very hard for me. And what uh, I think, if you call it God or the force, I call it the force, is it was there to help me. If not, I would have never known none of this with my kids, my force, my husband. I remember my husband went to the courthouse because every paperwork that I give out, I want it registered in the court, in the court, local court. I used to send my husband. And I remember when he took the rescinding of signatures, non proton, which means from the beginning of time, I have been signing signatures. You didn't tell me that this is wrong. So I am now canceling all from beginning of time. The judge refused to file it. That one. Rest of it, they fired. But that one, he told the clerk for my husband that we don't file this. My husband says, but I'm not leaving until you file it. They just about managed to put the stamp at the edge of the paper. Like, I didn't really want to do this, but so I had it. Rescinding of signatures. Because from the beginning of time, they're supposed to tell you, we're under contract law, and you're signing for this name, not your name. You're signing for ROY in all capital letters. In the bounds of English grammar, you cannot sign your name in capital letters. So that's what they do. So I tell my students, take it all to the courthouse and file it and you finish. And I told them how to get their allodial title. 
that you own the land, not just the house. The queen owns everything. You own all the land all over the world. So if you can file, if you can give Canada um, independence, and a few months later, you file a UCC1 and give your grandson Canada as the owner, all of the provinces is in that UCC1, including the IRS. Why can't we do it? Understand? What makes her so different from us? She owns everything. So she has, I have that. And the funny thing is, you see, this was it. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think there is a force that's watching over us. And if you're willing to open up your mind, the force will help you. Because her UCC1 filing, nobody didn't have it. But the man who filed it for her, it's the American Indian, I think, the name. That's the guy that sent it to me. I don't know how he found out about me, but he sent it to me. Isn't that amazing? Fantastic. Yeah. He had a funny name. I know it's a, it has to be American Indian. And all he said in, in the email is good luck, Miss Phoebe. And he went offline. I know, I know that you've got commitments uh, after this. So basically, because you mentioned the book, is the book has the book been released already? No, um, I'm having some problems with Sasha because he wanted to publish the book. You know Sasha Stone. I do, yeah, yeah. Okay, but he wants me to get an editor because he's busy. I thought I'll just say. Find another an editor and get my book edited. Because I'm not gonna wait on him. Because the wow. students are bugging me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like two hundred and eighty pages. But it's got information that people need to use. Yeah. I'll I'll connect you with people after because I know okay. really good people that will be able to help you on that. So I, after the call, I'll connect. And just on the course as well and your own thing, you might let people know how they can contact you or how to get the course. What's the best way to... Okay. Well, I do one-on-one. -on -one. If you, Some people don't like to go with 100 people for the university or 100 or whatever. But I do one-on-one -on -one for people who really want to understand better. And that I do, they can email me my daughter or me, and she will give them all information on the one-on-one. -on -one. And it's the same fee. No, the university is $50 more than what I'm charging. So they can do that. They can send an email. You have my email address, right? I do indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can give it to them. I put it and under show notes. Yeah, I have a class starting next month with the university. But they know I do the one-on-one -on -one because I do my own thing as well. Like the lady from Australia that's coming up now soon, she um she don't understand very much. So I take extra time with them because I don't want them walking away and don't know what they're doing. Okay. Maybe thoroughly enjoyed so the conversation. It's so nice meeting you too. It's nice to meet you. I, so I'll put this out this week. I'll send the links to you as well, so you love. So and I'll also send you the things. So thank you very much, baby. Okay, thank you for having me, and I'm gonna send you out those things. Just okay. Thanks very much. All right. Take care. So I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. You'll find everything about me on bio.link forward slash podcaster with all my podcasts, and you find it. You see in the QR code in the graphic that's shown. I'd like again to thank my sponsors. So if you or someone you know struggling with anxiety. I want to know how to be 100% anxiety-free six weeks without therapy or drugs. Daniel Packard's Anxiety Solution Program 
company offers a six-week system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you fight blood pressure and or want to get off the meds? Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. You can get a $50 discount with my code Roy, zona.com slash discount slash Roy. And you'll see it in the QR code as well as Daniel's QR code. Quality manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metal materials. you see the brochure there in the QR code. And let me know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally at very competitive price. I'd like to thank all my sponsors and also all my listeners. Be sure to give me a thumbs up. Five star rating, share with your friends. Really helps. And I also have a video on how to give a five star rating because a lot of people have wrote to me asking me that they don't know how to do that. Until next week, take care.